would, go ahead. We're continuing on, before I get real blubbery, continuing on in our study of 1 John. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 John with me. Go into the New Testament. Go all the way towards the end. If you want to back up just a handful of books, that's where you're going to find 1 John. We believe this is the same John that was the disciple of Jesus. We'll dig a little bit into that today as well. But folks, I'm so thankful that you are here today. It is the Lord's Day. We're excited for what He's doing, for the life of what's going on at Grace Baptist Church. So, let's get down to it. We are in chapter 4 of this week after looking at what it means to walk in fellowship with God. To have such a closeness and intimacy with God that you're almost walking in step with Him. To remain in Him. What it means to abide in Him. That is what we are trying to do. What it means to walk in love. That means that love can't just be taught. It can't just be said, but love has to be action as well. That is everything we're putting together when we are talking First John Walking the walk. And as you can see today, today we will be walking in the Spirit. What it means to be walking in the Spirit. So if you got your Bible one more time, 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, you can read along with me. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming, and even now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. Verse 6. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for your word. Thank you God that we have seen how your word comes to life already this morning. Father, we won't, don't just want to experience it from a distance. Your Word is living. And it should cut through us. God in heaven, in the name of Jesus, change us, transform us through the reading of Your Word. Show us obedience to so that we may walk the walk of faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Are you aware that there is a massive counterfeit scam in the United States when it comes to paper money? 
The problem of counterfeit dollar bills has really been an issue as long as we have used a printed bank note. Guestimates right now, there is an estimated $70 million worth of counterfeit money in circulation in the United States. Roughly that's one for every 10,000 marked bills. And of course in 2023 with the wave of new technology, the ability to secure our money has increased, but just like any time technology is involved, the ability to come as extremely close as possible to counterfeiting the real thing is also just as real. The government has even issued processes for banks and bank workers to detect a counterfeit if it does come in. Now, you'll notice on the screen a counterfeit $20 bill. You may not know it. It looks like it. But that's not real. That's fake. It looks like the real thing. Can't tell from the picture, but maybe if you were handling it, you would be able to tell that the crispness of this $20 bill isn't quite what a real $20 bill is. Maybe you'd be able to notice that the ink doesn't quite blend into the paper the way that it's supposed to. It should be slightly raised and it should have a little bit more of a slickness on the ink than where it isn't. And of course nowadays if we actually had that and held it in our hand, you'd be able to hold it up to the light and know that there's a watermark that's on the $20 bill or even see the embedded strip that is inside the bill as well. This is how we can tell the difference. How we can know the difference between the counterfeit and the real thing. And also, we've got to understand that if someone is caught using or distributing counterfeit money, the maximum penalty, it is a federal crime, you would serve up to 20 years in prison and serve a fine as well. From our text, we are reminded, just as the severity of counterfeit money can be and the crime that it entails, there are also consequences of following a counterfeit spirit as well. They might even be worse. John says point blank, do not believe every spirit. And if you can, notice in your text, just about any translation of the Bible does a good job of this, but begin noticing the differences between John using a capital S for the work of the Holy Spirit, the true work of God, and also a lowercase spirit, which in here usually denotes a different type of, of spirit, but it's pretty consistent throughout the translations. We'll dig into the actual test of the spirit, what it means to test the spirit in just a moment, but what is a false spirit? What is its origin? Well, I'm so glad that you asked where do they come from. At the end of verse 1, we know that a false spirit comes from typically a false prophet. Makes sense that way. But how are we really at deciphering false prophets in our day and age? Just like with counterfeit money, is there a way to test a prophet to see if they are truly preaching or teaching the Word of God or not. Well, Jesus actually speaks into this in Matthew chapter 7. This is what Jesus says, Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. Jesus even goes on to say in the verses after that, not only are, can you tell a bad tree by their bad fruit, but any time that you find a bad tree and their bad fruit, they ought to be cut down and thrown into the fire. There's some imagery for you, okay? But to know a person or to test a prophet by the fruit that they produce, it may take place over time. You may not be able to do that after one sitting. It may not be right away, but we can't judge a prophet or even just someone speaking just merely on a pretty appearance or soothing words that are said. For that reason, we should all continue to test and question those that say they are speaking in the faith or using. No matter who we listen to, no matter who sounds good or we proclaim to be good teachers or preachers of the word, we should be in constant questioning of what reminds us for such people are false prophets deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ and no wonder for Satan disguises himself as an angel of speaking to the critical aspects the critical nature of Jesus Christ in the time of his writing specifically for John we've already discussed this before but there was a heresy forming opening that to rest and he is making sure that the readers would understand remember that Jesus Christ is fully God no question about it but it is also of our sacrifice for Jesus to be our proper offering for our sins he has to be it is imperative that Jesus Christ was also flesh and blood fully man Second part of verse 2, he came from God. Many translations actually say it better than mine did that Jesus is of God. Stuff as God. The same essence of God. Point blank, Jesus is God. That is what we proclaim. Maybe more so today than in times previous. Level with you that Jesus was in fact a person. A Hindu would probably even tell you that Jesus was a good person as a reincarnation of Vishnu or Krishna. A Muslim would tell you that Jesus was yet another prophet in the line of prophets for Allah. A Mormon would tell you that Jesus is our greatest example, what we can live up to. Let's do on that for a moment. But all the belief systems listed above they would tell you that Jesus is just alright, but verse 3 is clear. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ is not from God. Again, real quick, remember, to confess from the Greek term homologio could be a proclamation of faith with our mouth, but it is much deeper than that. A confession is something else. When one confesses Jesus Christ, that means that Jesus Christ is supreme over any and other alternative. And to be an antichrist, this isn't just pointing to the figure at the end times, even though there will be one to come, but any person opposed to Christ falls in the category of an antichrist. Or the false religions, for the most part, are easy to spot. 
Hinduism, Buddhism, and the like, they are blatant and call themselves churches that do not preach the Jesus of the Scriptures. Instead, they put a Jesus that suits their political beliefs. A Jesus that allows any and all types of behavior. These heresies, in my opinion, than the belief systems that are outright against the naming of Jesus Christ. These, in fact, are the teachings of wolves in sheep's clothing that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 7. Verse 4, while we must be careful, it dwells within us His Holy Spirit. The world will always, always be full. Any of them will come and go. Some of them, even though they change names, it's simply the same belief all over again. But make no mistake, like other distinctions we make, that means that it is from the world, and just as any other aspect of the world will pass away, so too will any belief that does not confess. Don't get caught off guard by this. Remember that Jesus was on earth preaching the truth, and there are plenty of times in Scripture we read that He was stopped at, made fun of, and he even had some people that called themselves believers that were pretty fickle and even walked away from it. Doesn't give us an excuse to be outright ugly to people. Sometimes we like to wear the badge of honor that, well, we went and we told the way that we've been called to in Ephesians. We can be honest and truthful, but being ugly doesn't usually go along with it. We try to mesh the two together. That is not a royal we, but in referring to we, it insists on the message of the apostles. He is a representative of the other apostles, and their message is what he is standing on. And for any and all who believe this message, the gospel, they are also lumped in with this we as well. So under message, can withstand questioning. It holds up. A true believer can even spot a true message or a true believer, a mature believer should also be able to compare to him properly. Or does it matter more what they sound like, what they dress like, what they look like? Things to think about. But for today, I've got three specific ways that we can walk in the Spirit. Three specific ways. I'm level with you. Okay? This is just us. I showed you a picture earlier of a $20. And I told you that was counterfeit, didn't I? And I'm hoping, to an extent, you believe me. You should be behind the pulpit. I stand up here and you trust me as a minister to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've got to uphold the things that are in this Bible. One of which I'm pretty sure is in Exodus. says something about you shouldn't lie. I give you this as an example. That even what I say, I'm never going to purposefully do God's Word in a way that should be manipulative. However, you should question everything that I say about this text just like you would anyone else. Just because I am doing the work of pouring into God's Word on a daily basis, I am attempting to rightly divide what is in the text. Let me just take my word for it. Often the greatest example that we get is of this is in Acts chapter 17. 
the Luke writes this, as soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogues of the Jews. The people here were of noble character than those in Thessalonica, and gave the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Man, the people Rhea, were getting after it. They had a hunger, a thirst to study and love on God's word. And whatever was said, too often I'm afraid at times, we read the Bible as a schedule, as a routine. And instead, we should be reading it with the expectation of we should expect to hear from the sovereign God of the universe. Now, we can sit here and we can question all the time how people can fall for wolves in sheep's clothing, which is the way that Jesus puts it. But typically, this is how it goes down. Tell me if I'm wrong. Someone they come across as extremely relevant. They've got a great personality. Maybe, maybe they use the Bible just enough to make them dangerous. Even though when they do use the Bible, it's probably taken out of context. And oftentimes they're taking it. And we don't study for ourselves to back up what they're saying. Think about it. Even from a historical perspective, throw the Jesus and the church out. Aren't we usually left wondering how the Hitlers and Stalins and Mussolinis and Putins of the world come to power? Well, here's how they do it. Sounds really, really good. Encourages and motivates the people. They give some real lofty, high expectations. Then they're able to deliver on the expectations over time. And what happens? They're given a blank check. And then the world pays for it in the you want to know a secret? We're no different in our country. We're just as capable of falling for the same thing. How much more important is it then that our study have to agree with everything that comes out of the pastor's mouth? Otherwise, he's a heretic. No, I promise. But of utmost importance, understand you should know a pastor's viewpoints on the gospel. We should understand the doctrinal beliefs that a pastor has based on a biblical understanding. And we should be able to find spots in the Bible where he points to this. And specifically, most importantly, the views on Jesus. The views on Jesus. That's our second point. What is the spiritual view of Jesus? If we've got to be doing our homework, we've also got to have to walk in the Spirit, a spiritual view of Jesus. This is what it means. It's common and trendy for authors and historians. Make sure you tune in at 8 p.m. tonight as we uncover the true Jesus. That means lots of different things to different people. It's credited to C.S. Lewis. Josh McDowell uses it in his apologetic book, More Than a Carpenter, which is a great book. I highly recommend it. But you can boil down Jesus into is either a liar. Jesus is a lunatic, or Jesus is exactly who you said he was. That's our options. He's either a liar, he made the whole thing up, and had enough guys.
to believe what he said and fall along in the lie to the alert, but in the real world, that doesn't happen that way, okay? So maybe we can mark that one off. Or Jesus is a lunatic, completely delusional, off his rocker, should have been put away, and yet somehow again, he's got hundreds of followers that drank the Kool-Aid and gave up their lives for this dude that was off his rocker. Or he's the Son of God, yeah. the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the name of all names, and he's coming back again. <laughs> That's who Jesus is. Amen. There's no room for the true Jesus to simply be a good man. There's no room for Jesus to merely be a good prophet or the model citizen. He's got to be more. And He's got to be more for those who confess Him as well. Back one more time to that word confession. We've looked at it a couple times now. And in my study, especially this past week, this is the conclusion that I've come to. Christians have gotten, listen to me, Christians have gotten pretty good at professing Jesus Christ. We've gotten pretty good at professing and talking about Jesus Christ. We're not as good at confessing Jesus Christ. What's the distinction? Let's talk about it. At making sure, making sure that our faith completely aligns with that of Jesus from the Word of Scriptures. Truly surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What does John 3.30 say? He must increase, I must decrease. That is confession. Paul says, don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey. Either of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart the pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. That is not politically correct. That is not something that we want to hear in 2023. But this is what confession of Jesus Christ means. It means to be enslaved to the righteousness of Jesus. It's His way and no other way. That's confession compared to merely profession. Third thing that we've got to have. I'm so excited about this one. We've got to have a spiritual confidence. I had a conversation this past week with a very good friend of mine going through a rough patch. And he said, you know, Kyle, I've got this question. You know, is, is the devil and his minions, are they constantly at work? And I said, yep. <laughs> that wasn't what he wanted to hear. But I said, look, we've got to explain it this way. All right, we live in a physical world, 
In the physical world, with all of its physical beings, it is always at work. It is a constant. Well, there is also a spiritual world that we cannot see, but just as the physical world is always at work, so too is the spiritual world. Have a good day. No, I didn't leave him at that. I didn't leave him at that. However, I told the same guy that wasn't where my answer ended. I said, but you've got to understand 1 John 4, 4. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. We are not talking about equal forces of good versus evil. No, the good, congratulations, is already victorious. The good has already won. And those who proclaim and confess the good, they are already victors in Jesus Christ. And whatever the world throws at you, it cannot defeat you. That was an amen for me. I don't know about you, but okay. Good deal. Now, there is no reason then for us as believers in Jesus Christ to sound defeated or ever have a defeatist attitude. There is no reason for us to walk around. Oh, poor pitiful me. I just don't know why the devil won't leave me alone. I'm just so sick of what's going on. I feel like I can't do anything. I just can't keep fighting. No! Here you go, Comfort. If there's some lack of encouragement in your life, here is some encouragement for you. If you're doing something for the kingdom of God and the devil and his minions don't like it and don't like it enough that they're trying to mess it up, keep going because you might be doing something worth doing. Amen. Amen. If you're not doing anything to advance God's kingdom and you're wondering why the devil's picking on you and you're just sitting on your thumbs, chances are good it's not the devil. It might be you that's in your own way. Make sure that we understand the difference. Now, we should contain and give off a spiritual confidence that we believe that what we believe has power to it, has merit to it. That the power of the gospel, what we believe, actually lives in us, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. God in His Spirit dwelling within us. We can be confident that what we have been told will come to fruition. What we have been told, what has been promised, will happen. We should have the same confidence that this same apostle writes about from the words of Jesus. Didn't Jesus say, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? For I go away and prepare a place for you. I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Poor Thomas. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Here's the big idea. It's in two parts. Walking in the Spirit. Go ahead, Sean. Here we go. Walking in the Spirit promotes a confidence 
in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it encourages a lifelong study of the Scriptures to protect from deception. Walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit day by day, it promotes a confidence in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. His ways are greater than my ways. I'm enslaved to His righteousness. That is why I live in obedience and honor and glory and praise because of what He's done for me. It encourages a lifelong study of the Scriptures to protect from deception, not taking anybody's word at face value. Confidence in our confession of Jesus. A desire to become more aligned with His Word. Reinforcement against false teaching, false prophets, and a false spirit. Mark, I'm going to ask you to come on up. And while they're preparing, as we transition into a time of response, it's time for us to evaluate what does it mean for us to be walking in the Spirit? It means that we also confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That there are no other gods. That there is no other viewpoint. That there is no other way to be saved except through Jesus. If you're struggling with that, if you're unsure your salvation is secured, is assured. Make it known. Seal it today. If you've got questions on that, I'll be sitting right here on the front row. Come talk to me. For those that are confident maybe in their walk and in their salvation, do you have confidence in your walk on a daily basis? Do you have the confidence that you are a victor in Jesus, that you are more than a conqueror in Jesus, and that nothing in this world can overtake what you've got? Do you have a desire to be aligned with the Word of God? Do you chew on it and study it in such a way that you can spot good, but also improper teaching as well? Are you a lifelong learner like what it means to be a Berean? Where are we? I always ask, be honest with yourself. Be honest with the Lord. Use these altars in obedience to what He's calling you to. Let's pray. Lord, as we read it, sometimes it seems so simple. John does such a good job of speaking in absolutes. It's either one or the other. We can just take it at that. The Lord, living it out, walking in this faith is something different entirely. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would instill us, believers, at Grace Baptist Church with a confidence that you are victorious. Lord, we get to take part in the advancement of your kingdom that we should be about your work and your business above everything else in our lives. Father, I pray for a spiritual revival in us that we wouldn't just profess Jesus, but that we would confess Him in our words, actions, and deeds. Lord, we can do none of this apart from You. 
show us, God. Show us obedience. Bend our will to follow yours. In your name we pray these things. Amen. During this time of response, we ask that you stand and sing with us one last time. <laughs> so much for listening to grace baptist cartersville podcast if you would like more of grace baptist cartersville make sure you check out our gbc young adults podcast also make sure to follow us on facebook instagram and our services on youtube